Welcome to the Jack and John Podcast. I'm Jack. And I'm John. And we're on a mission to help you focus on Christ. Amen. You know, sometimes we do things that, yeah, we're almost ashamed of. Uh, yeah, we t- I know we talked about shame a couple times ago, and, you know, we surrendered that to God. But I got to tell you, sometimes I feel like we should apologize before we even open our mouths. <laughs> sometimes we do embarrassing things. Yeah. So this episode, we're going to talk about how does God value you or why does he value you and right now how does god see you jack you've got a story about that don't you I do. you know i've i all my life i've i've been up in front of people right and you have two to a certain degree well a lot of times i'm behind people too well that's true as a doctor but anyway i I, i'm remiss if i don't move on real quickly uh at any rate um there have been times that I've had uh, like a, a green piece of lettuce in my teeth or a piece of broccoli. Or uh, there was one time I was teaching a 60 member Sunday school class and my little wife uh, was trying to get my attention. And uh, she finally walked out of the room because I wasn't, you know, looking over at her, getting my attention. And she was over uh, the door outside the room. She was trying to motion me that my zipper was down. And uh, so I looked at it, I got that motion. So I just standing in front of 60 people proceeded to zip my zipper up, which mo- mortified her. So just some embarrassing things that have happened throughout my life. But I heard this is a true story of a preacher in Kentucky that did one of the most embarrassing things I could think of. Okay, so I thought I'd just open this. How does God see you? Uh, in spite of maybe the things that we do that cause shame or the things that we embarrass ourselves with. Well, this preacher had a quirk. And his quirk was that before he preached, he would have the congregation bow their heads, close their eyes in prayer, and he would take that opportunity to tuck his shirt tail in. So he had this thing in his mind that he had to have his his shirt tail tucked perfectly in his pants before he preached. So one morning, the prayer just went a lot longer than normal. He just kept praying and kept praying. That should have been a red flag. It should have been a red flag somewhere. But uh, nevertheless, he, he said later that he was thinking to himself, well, I'm just going to have to go ahead and preach without my shirt tail tucked in properly. And when he said amen and everybody looked up, he had half the American flag stuffed down the back of his pants. <laughs> that would be embarrassing. I don't know if it was tilted, the flag, or what. Oh but now think about it. Now you got to untuck, the, then your shirt comes out with it. So what do you do? Pray again? And I don't know. Anyway, you don't know what to do sometimes. I, I want to know what the sermon was. You know, did he, did <laughs> that's he have lost. A, did it give him a segue into? <laughs> You know, I don't know. I'm carrying the banner or, you know. Yeah, the banner of the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I think what I would like to just share, because my thought is um, we're God's children. Yeah. And sometimes when you think about children, you think about the fact that they do things silly. Sometimes sure. they do embarrassing things, embarrass mom and dad. And uh, just sometimes um, uh, we're just children in every sense of the word. And uh, I think that that's amazingly to our good that we can call ourselves children of God. And there's a passage of scripture that I just encourage everybody that's a Christian out there to memorize. Uh, you, you, you can get such hope from it. 
such strength from it. And you can help others with this scripture. I, I use it an awful lot. Uh, sometimes in ministry to people who are at the last stages of their life. And it just brings such hope even for the next life. Mm-hmm. But it's found in 1 John chapter 3, beginning with the first verse. And it says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us. How does God see you right now? You are just lavished in his love. He sees you like his child. And uh, even though you may do embarrassing things or things that bring shame, he's still your father and he still loves you and he wants what's best for you. It says we are called children of God because of this love that God has lavished on us, that he has adopted us as sons and daughters and he has made us his children. It goes on to say, you know, the reason the world doesn't know us is that it did not know him. So the world's going to tell you that you should feel that shame or how silly or stupid or horrible you are because you've done embarrassing things. The world doesn't understand. And so sometimes the world doesn't know you, doesn't understand why you do what you do or why you say what you say. But the Bible says here, listen, they didn't know him. So they wouldn't know you because they didn't know Jesus. And then John says, dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. So we got good good news. We're not there yet. We're not finished yet. We're not home yet. God's still doing a work on us. And uh, we're still in process. We're still kind of in the factory. Okay. Uh, Hadn't quite spit us out yet. I remember when my son was very, very young, uh, daddy was uh, in the shower with him, cleaning him up. And, and uh, he looked over at me and looked up at my, in my eyes. And he said, daddy, he said, where do belly buttons come from? And I said, well, and I told him the story of where a belly button comes from. You know, you're attached and you get air and you get food through this, da, da, da. And he was getting more and more confused all along. And then he, he went, Oh, come on, Dad. (laughs) And so I said, okay. Well, when we were in the factory that God was making everybody, he was inspecting us as we were coming through. And when he saw you, he went, you're done. You're done. He went, oh, okay. (laughs) So (laughs) that one made more sense than the truth. So that's children. Yeah, You know, sometimes we, we get it and you're done. So there's your belly button. But uh, folks, listen, it says that we know that when Christ appears, we're going to be like him. Yeah. Because we're going to see him just as he is. And we're going to be like him. So if you've got that truth in you, then you can purify yourself, live in hope, because right. that's what it's all about. That's what a child should be doing. Right. So uh, yeah. when, when God looks at us. He sees his son. We are created in his image. We're his imagers. We're his representatives here on this planet. And uh, he's building his kingdom through us. <laughs> this stuff, this flesh that we live in is not the finished product. You know, this is temporal. Um, you know, we're here for a moment. Um we're like the the grass. We're like that vapor, that mist. You know, we're here for a little while. We flourish. We grow. But this isn't it. 
This isn't it. God sees so much of a bigger picture than what we see. Um, and we've talked about it before, about the, all the bad things that people go through. And Paul called it light and momentary troubles. Um, <laughs> compared it, 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 to. Yeah, compared to. I mean, those are hard words to take when you're going through cancer, uh, you know, when you're dealing with uh, a divorce or, you know, some legal battle or whatever it is. Um, but in that big scheme that God is looking at, he sees the final product, you know, it's kind of, to to look at it on a smaller scale, think about Walt Disney, okay, you know, Walt Disney, they always say, oh, it all started with a mouse, and, you know, and then Disney had passed on, and they've got all of this stuff, you know, they got Disney World, and and Disneyland, and the California Dreaming, and the, the European Disney thing and all this. And somebody said to one of the Imagineers, they said, imagine if Walt could see this. And they said, what are you talking about? He did see this. That's why it's here. Uh, You know, he had the vision. Explode that a billion times. That's the vision that God sees. That finished product, that, that perfect you, he sees it already. That's what he sees when he looks at you. Now, I want to take this a step farther, a step deeper, and a step more personal. And that is, when you look at other people, what do you see? Hmm. What do you value? And hey, that message is for this guy right here, yeah. too. Me. Why, why did Jesus call the 12 men he did yeah. to be his disciples? They certainly weren't perfect men. No. And they weren't the guys that I've heard preachers say this all my life weren't the guys we probably would have chosen. Yeah. The only one that really had any schooling and had a little intelligence, at least uh, through study, was Judas. Or Matthew. Matthew had a little bit because he was the uh, accountant, the tax collector. Um, But most of them were just really rough, gruff fishermen. They were just very simple men. But I think that God saw them for what they were going to be. Absolutely. Sons of Thunder became Jesus. uh, John became the the apostle of love. Right. Uh, Simon became Peter the Rock. Yeah. So I think that that's that's exactly exactly what God is doing. He's looking what we're going to become. I. I uh, thought of one more story of my son when he was in elementary school. Uh, I used to go into his room at night and he would say prayers with me. And one night I walked in and with very childlike curiosity, he looked at me and he said, Dad, I want to go to heaven. And I went, well, that's good. I think we all should want to go to heaven. He said, no, Dad, I want to go now. He said, I've seen the earth. I thought, here's an elementary school kid. He said, I've seen it all, brother. I'm ready ready to leave this place and go into heaven. I think that's some childhood vision right there. Wow. Uh, We cling to the things of this earth when we need to have the childlike faith to say, man, I'm ready to go right now. I've seen everything I need to see down here. Uh, And it hasn't yet appeared what we shall be, but we know when we see him, we'll see him as he is and we'll be like him. That's what we have to look forward to. We should be looking forward to being there with him. When my son Ransford was a little boy, um, he was talking with his mom, my wife Amy, about 
his older sister Sarah, who he never met because Sarah was stillborn, and uh, he was you know curious about that and asking about her and you know well what where is where's Sarah and and Amy says well Sarah is is in heaven with Jesus. And they're talking about heaven and what a wonderful place it is and uh, just how beautiful. And uh, Ransford, just like Jarrett's story, says, well, let's go. Let's go, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go. Um, I love that childhood enthusiasm, that childlike faith that latches onto that and says, let's go. Um, the, the preacher was preaching about heaven and stood up for his congregation. And he finally just asked him a question. How many of you want to go to heaven? Raise your hand if you want to go to heaven. And everybody raised their hand, but it's this one man kind of down front. And he just stood there with his arms folded. And the preacher did something unusual. He looked at him and said, brother, aren't you ready to go to heaven? He said, well, I thought you were getting up a load now. <laughs> so, but I'm ready to go now. Yeah. But I'm old. Yeah. So I'm ready. <laughs> yeah. Well, Paul said it best when he said, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. And I've always interpreted that as you know, God's got stuff for me to do here. I need to be focused on him. That's part of why we do this is, is a reminder, not just for you, our listeners, but for us, I need to be reminded daily that my focus needs to be on Christ. And, um, and that's a challenge, uh, because I get so easily distracted squirrel. <laughs> it's just, yeah, I get so easily distracted. You're the and, boxer and, of humans. Right. Yeah, I was that <laughs> kid in school. The teachers always said to mom at uh, parent-teacher counseling, Johnny's a daydreamer. Every single teacher I ever had, that was what they said about me. Um, they also said he was really quiet, which... <laughs> no, you, got, you can't trust those. People find that as a surprise. <laughs> Um, but no, I was that quiet little kid, but uh, I think partly because I was always the youngest. But yeah, distracted, just like that little churn there. Got to remind myself to focus on Christ because I want what I do here to mean something for him. My grandmother used to say this. She said, um, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last and you know, bless her heart. I and and I thank God so much for my grandmother. Who that's a whole other story that I think we'll share another time. But she was such a blessing to me, and I still remember those words. Uh, and they still mean they they mean more to me today than they did when I was a fourth grader. And she's telling me that for the first time. But, but I think it's important. I, that's beautiful. And we, we do need to talk about that. But I was thinking as, we, as we're thinking about how does God see us, uh, he wants us to feel like he's our parent. Yeah. Like, because Jesus taught us to pray. He said, our father. And throughout the scriptures, he's called our father. Uh, talks about we're adopted as his children. We are children of God. Um, it, this is a family. It says in that first John two passage that the next thing that the children need to know is that God is your father. Right. 
So we have to understand the family nature of Christianity and that God is looking at you like a child. And I am telling you that God looks at us when we make a mistake with loving eyes, but he does not want us to continue to make the mistake. So like a good parent, he disciplines us. Uh, just like all of us, we want our children to be obedient children. First time obedience. If I tell you to do it, do it. Uh, and God wants us to be that same way. But we have to understand in that relationship that uh, because God loves us so much and looks at us as our father looking at his children, that we should be the kind of children that want to please him, that right. want to glorify him, that want people to look at us and say, you know, he looks just like his dad. And by the way, the older I get, the more people say that to me about my earthly dad. You look like my dad. The problem is when I look in the mirror, I see my dad too, which is, you know, you see, as, as the child, that's not a good thing. What that is, is that you saying, I'm now old like my dad and I've got the mannerisms now mm -hmm. my dad, which that's not a bad thing, but you become the image of your father. If you will stay true and faithful and obedient to him. And if not, then God gives you his grace. God gives you his love and live in that, bask in that, because that's how God sees you today. Um, he understands. He knows everything you've done, but he loves you still. Yeah, it's super important to understand that our God is he's not an earthly father. He is the loving, benevolent father and creator. Um, he doesn't walk out on us. You know, he doesn't abandon us. He doesn't abuse us. He doesn't forget about us. Um, he didn't just plant the seed and take off. Uh, he's there for the long haul for eternity. He is the God who loves us. And that is why he created us. Um, also, as a father, and I feel this way about my kids. They're my kids no matter what. That's how he feels about you and me. He loves us no matter what and even deeper than what I could love my own children um, or my own grandchildren. Uh, God loves you deeper, harder, longer. He is the everlasting father. John, he wants the same thing you want for your kids and with your kids. What do you want your kids to do? I'm, I want to. I have a, a specific answer in my head. That's a, unfair to ask the question of you. But what do you want most from your friend, from your kids? What I, what I want most from my kids is for them to understand the love that God has. Absolutely. For them. Then and what do you and want to them reflect to, that? Yeah. Love. Then what do you want them to do? What do you want? I want your, them to live for Jesus. Okay. Let's get personal then. Personal? Yeah. What does dad want from three grown kids that are now living on their own? You want them to come see you? You want them to talk to you? You want them to maybe text you or call you? You know, there's a lot of um, children, when their parents get older, leave them in a nursing home mm -hmm. and don't come by and see them. You've seen that in your yeah. career. And I've seen that in mine. And I will tell you that I love it that my children want to go to lunch. I've been texting this morning what I've been texting a plan to try to get my kids sure. to lunch so we can spend time together. 
That's what I was just going to make it a little tween, little, yeah. bring it down from the big yeah. to the real small thing, and that is spend some time with your father today. Well, and that convicts me too because yeah, I get so busy and so wrapped up in other things. Unlike God, who wants to spend time with us, I need to make time to spend Amen. with them. Amen. Um, you know, we got a God that surpasses anything that any of us could be as a parent. Um, and I thank God for that. Um, but yeah, I want to experience life yeah. with my kids. I want them to be yeah. a part of it. Um, at the same time, I, I don't hold a hard expectation for them because my love doesn't have an expectation there and God even more so now he wants us to reflect his love and return that to him um and, and I, I think there's, in a sense, an expectation there because you know, Jesus told us our work is to believe, you mm-hmm. know, or, and uh, another way to look at that is a, a stronger translation of to put your faith in is to pledge your allegiance to because allegiance is, is faith that means more than just believing. It's not passive. It's jumping in and doing. And um, so, yeah, he wants us to be engaged and to be part of of his family, um, but that love is there. Yeah, for it's us. It, it's easier to to have the allegiance to God when you love Him. Oh, absolutely. If you love Him, to obey, to yeah. please Him is what you're about. Right. Amen. That's the way God sees you. Amen. That's what He wants from you. I, I think about the song. One of the first songs I remember from. Sunday school as a little kid um, was singing about, oh, how I love Jesus because he first loved me. And as a little boy, I didn't understand that, you know, Um, but I I understood that that was an important concept that I needed. And I just, but that song has grown in me over the years to, to the point that now I have a better picture and someday I'll even know more and then the Bible tells us that when we see him face to face, we'll know him fully, even as we are fully known. Um, and that's the day that we're really longing for. Amen. You know, when we see him face to face and that love becomes complete. What a joyous moment that's going to be. And until then, I've got a kid's song. Yeah. We used to sing, He's able, He's able. I know He's able. I know my God is able to carry me through. Yeah. He heals the brokenhearted. He sets the captives free. He made the lame to walk again, and he saved a wretch like me. He's able. He's able. I know he's able. I know my Lord is able to carry me through. When I'm unable, he's able. Right? Yeah. And he enables me uh, to carry it through. So that's the Father. That's the Lord. That's that's our God. Amen. Thanks for joining us again, folks. We love you so much. Um, you can always connect with us at connect at jackandjohnpodcast.com. We'll see you next time.